in the South. Churches kind of have this reputation around here about being uh, places where segregation happens and is reinforced. Um, and that's sort of a local narrative that we're, we're sort of famous for that here in the South. So Tim and I wanted to talk to two pastors who are sort of involved pretty heavily in the racial mix that's going on in Atlanta, and they chose to do it through pastoral roles. We're just really interested to talk with them about why that happened, what they read, and how they met their wives in this bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have George Tatro here and uh, David Park. They are pastors here in the Atlanta area working with racially and socioeconomically and politically yeah. diverse congregations mm -hmm. uh, to do some good. So. Uh, David and George, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you guys thanks so much. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. And how long have you been pastoring, and what, what, uh, what churches do each of you work at? Uh, this is David Park, by the way. Um, <laughs> I uh, pastor a church called Open Table Community, and it's in the Brookhaven, Shambly, Dorville area near Buford Highway. And I've been uh, officially a pastor for just over six years now. Yeah. So I barely know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Long enough to be on a podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> that's right. And uh, my name is George Tatra. I'm over at Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church, which is in the intersection between Stone Mountain and Clarkston. And Clarkston is the most diverse square mile in the country. Uh, yeah. And if it's not, it's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, my congregation is, is a mix but we also have three new church developments. So I have two Burmese uh, new church developments of Chin and Zoe. I have an African new church development. And we actually, because I started a Chin church, I got a call from a Mennonite friend of mine, who's a friend now, he wasn't then. He said, I see you have Chins, would you like to have some more? So now I have two Chin congregations, uh, one's Mennonite. And, uh, and so, but in my own congregation, so we're a multicultural church yeah. With different worshiping communities, but it, within my own community, it's uh, African, African American, Afro Caribbean, and yeah. white people, and it's it's got its own dynamics. It's got an interesting mix, uh, and I've been at it seven years, yeah. so I've had enough time to finish my work as a pastor, retire, and then come back around for a second career. <laughs> but I haven't started that yet. <laughs> Who wouldn't want more? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I met, I think I met you. So I've met you. In your role, uh, you had some apartment properties you managed. That's correct. And then um, I had met you briefly in that context. And each time I meet you, you forget. But I, I've met you a couple <laughs> different times. And then I met you with David um, one time. Recently. And you talked about how you had been doing your father's business, which was the apartment business. And you had switched over to pastoring, which was your father's business. So yeah. um, what, was, what kind of motivated that change for you? Or what brought you back to that mm. it's not lucrative as i understand it no it's very unlucrative <laughs> I, I i suppose that some people uh, get very rich off of jesus but uh <laughs> you know I, I think that the promise uh that that for me the promise is not about um about that kind of wealth it's about the wealth of friendship and the depth of relationships and and the way that you get to see the world in a new way right mm -hmm. so that so that the the world tells you, you know, these are the things that are important, but you know, you, you discover that the really important thing uh, are the relationships that we're able to build. Uh, and so, you know, I, a lot of people come to Clarkston area, you know, that they're going to come do mission with the mm -hmm. refugees. Yeah, uh, I, I I stumbled there. Yeah, uh, I stumbled through seminary. Uh, they they said that they were either going to give me a degree or tenure. Uh, <laughs> so so here I am, um, and and I just. I stumbled into that job uh, with no intention of working with the refugees. I, I tell people often that you know I really don't care about refugees. I don't care about <laughs> multiculturalism. 
I don't care about any of it, uh, but I care about Jesus, and that was stuff that was very important to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I, I really care about Jesus a lot. And so, you know, wherever I am is my community. And so whoever is in that community, whether they're all the same or mm-hmm. they're yeah. different, they're my people. Yeah. Well, and this is where I met George in seminary, and his voice was so different from all the other voices. So we went to Columbia Theological Seminary down in Decatur, Georgia, and, uh, you know, everybody, I hate to say it, but so the predominant, the prototypical student there is like a Presbyterian and who's like gunning for ordination, and so it seems more like a like a professional school than mm. it does sort of a school for prophets and pastors. Big, big steeple factory. Yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> and I mean, ironically, even though they know that they're sort of um, preparing people for a job whose heyday was 60 years ago, yeah. they're yeah. still pumping out pastors for sort of a dying institution. And George really stuck out to me because he just seems so really brutally honest yeah. about the death of the institution and the need for real community and the real need for hey, we really believe in Jesus, right? I mean, I mean, you can talk about all these issues and talk about this or that, but do you care about Jesus? And I thought yeah. his voice really stuck out. So awesome. we sort of became quick friends and sort of quick uh, outlaws at seminary. <laughs> 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 Asked to be on panels that were like quickly, they were, all these professors regretted asking us to I be on panels. I made a huge panels. mistake. And, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, geez. and then all of a sudden we stopped being asked to be on panels. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been back in a couple of years. I, Isn't that weird? Not me yeah. either. Coincidence? Yeah. yeah. And now, George, you've been in this. You walked in the bookstore today, and you had a big box of books with you. Tell us about your history Whoa. with this bookstore before we get into what what you're both reading. Uh, the last time I came in here, I walked out of here with a wife. So, I, I, uh, like someone else's wife? Like no, 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 no. Okay. We can't promise that'll happen to you, but no, that's right. If you if you come and you hang out with me, I will find you a wife. Results may vary. <laughs> Results may vary. Yeah, you, got, you have to sow a big faith seed with me, but I'll find you a wife. Anybody listening to this podcast who's alone, come see me. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, this this place is a dear uh, place in my heart because wow, you know my wife worked here at the time and. Uh, and we met, and the, I came in and I asked for a book, and I gave her the, the author's name, and she said, I don't think that's his name. I think it's the other way around. And I was insistent because I knew. I knew what was right. I knew that name, and, and, and she was right. And so that was the beginning of me being wrong for 17 years. But I'll tell you this. I brought the book with me today so I can read oh, it. Oh, wow. Right here. I can read the, uh, the name on it, and I will be able to keep to the story. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about that. This this is the book you're currently reading. What's it called? No, Red. Oh, Red. red. Yeah. But I, uh, this is the book that she told you about? No, this is the book I currently Wait. read. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay I cool. have just recently finished. Okay. See, normally I, I was reading like Longmire series or yeah. uh, what's that one that Tom Cruise is in? Uh, Jack Reacher. Yeah. No. Hmm. Yeah, Jack Reacher. Lee Child, the Lee Child. Novel? Yeah, the yeah. Lee Child yeah. series. Uh. So you know, and I, I was like, I got invited to this podcast last week, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap. Can I say that on this podcast? This is a nice podcast. Uh, you can you say know. worse. <laughs> so, so I was like, what have I read? What have I read? And I saw this, and I'm like, I said, oh, I read Dark Town. That's wonderful. I can talk about that because I think it is uh, pertinent to the conversation that I got invited to that I didn't know anything about. <laughs> so I'm very excited. This is all new to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to give you a synopsis of what Darktown is, uh, it's by Thomas Mullen. It's a story of uh, the first six African-American police officers in Atlanta. Mm. And uh, it's a fictional story, but it's fictional realism or whatever you call that, historical fiction. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I enjoyed so much about it is it really, uh, there was a lot of in- research that went into it. 
you really get a flavor for what Atlanta was like in mm-hmm. 1960. Yeah. You know? And and you hear the voices not only of these six black police officers as they struggle with racism and the inherent racism within the system. Yeah. But you also hear the voices of the white people as they struggle with understand. Well, you know, those who are willing to struggle mm-hmm. yeah. with understanding the problems of race. And, uh, and I think it's a I think it's a, a valuable word for us today um, yeah. because I think that. Uh, we like to pretend that these issues are resolved, that you yeah. know that we are a mm. post-racial society, mm. and you know that's just can I say bullshit? Sure, bring it on. That's just bullshit. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend. Bullshit. Thank you, Reverend. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was gonna say, when you read it, how much do you get a sense that things have changed? How much do you get a sense that they're the same? Because you live in the world of those tensions. Right, and, and, and so, you know, but this is coming from a white guy's perspective, right? Yeah. And you know yeah. how white people are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> please do tell how white yeah, people yeah. are. You know, when people say, you know how white people are, I say, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about when you say how white people are. <laughs> I'm up against them, too. Um, no, the, the, the thing is, is that I think it, I think it, uh, I think what, what I get from this book and, you know, what I struggle with is that my deep held belief that people self-identify are able to self-identify and able to identify and discern their problems. I think this plays in the church as well, as well as in life, you know, we, we want to project on others, mm-hmm. uh, our worldview. Yeah, sure. When, when their paradigm is very, when their, their paradigms, their, uh, life experiences are very different from ours. Mm-hmm. And so we are judging them based on a paradigm that we're coming from instead of listening right. to the paradigm they're coming from. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the big problem. That's, you know, that's, that's where a lot of our misunderstanding comes in place and mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of our marginalizations of other people come in place. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and so I better get it out before I forget it. <laughs> Cause this is the most, this is what I think as I was thinking about what is the most important thing? What is the one thing that I would want to share, one of my observations, right? And, and, it, and I, as I thought about it, I was thinking, wow, you know, this really ties into the gospel. The, I, what, what the struggle is, which I don't think we honestly engage in, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the realization we have to come to is, is that people of color, people who are marginalized, people who live on the periphery, right? Socially, yeah. Socially, right. economically, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Yeah edge that you live on right yeah. well that's where that's where we find jesus in the gospel always at the edges right yeah. Yeah. so so these people whoever they are who live at the edges have to carry the burden mm-hmm. right of that prejudgment that um mm. of the white man's uh imposition of values imposition of judgment all the until that person gets to that place where they can see them for who they are. Am I making yeah. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. In other oh, words, yeah. I'm the one who's being oppressed. And because you can't recognize my oppression doesn't mean that I'm not being oppressed, but I have to carry the fact that you can't even recognize who I am because of yeah. your prejudice your 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 paradigm blocks. Your yeah, privilege. Privilege. The blindness of privilege. Yeah. And, and, and you wrestle with that all the time. I don't. I don't like. To, I just like to be in a relationship with people. I don't like to worry about that kind of stuff. But you think about this stuff, David. <laughs> well, I think it's difficult from my side, being an Asian American, because uh, there's an i, the the reverse dynamic in that is this uh, real tendency to assimilate mm-hmm. and want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And if you created a rubric of power and beauty and and privilege, 
I might want to subscribe to that yeah. so mm. I can climb that ladder too so that mm. I can be valuable in your eyes and so that we can sort of build a cohesive society together. Yeah. But that's not necessarily an honest society. Mm. It's not necessarily a just society. And it's not necessarily community right. because yeah. I accept right. the oppression that you impose yeah. and then i yeah. turn around and impose that on others and say okay that's how the game works then black people should be seen this way hispanic people should even though i was once an immigrant i then view other immigrants as detrimental to our society rather than mm -hmm. constructive as i hopefully want to be so i think that's where the the tension of assimilation mm. and almost being colon being colonized to be a colonizer is a terrible <laughs> dynamic that that people on the margins face it's a temptation mm. that we all face yeah so david yeah. having seen and grown up around a lot of these tensions mm. Why then did you choose the vehicle of the church to kind of work out your your? Oh life? man, well I'm like I'm like George here. I didn't choose this. I don't think I wanted yeah. to be that. I think having, uh, I I wanted to wash my hands of the trouble because mm. it's a lot of trouble yep. to sort of sit in the sort of space where you're like. I want people to think about things that they don't want to think about. I want to talk about things that they don't want to talk about, especially when church is considered sort of people's voluntary disposable free time yeah. you're gonna ruin their day by like bringing in the gospel and saying yeah. hey this confronts and disorients mm -hmm. the way you live and it should and if it doesn't we're not reading it yeah mm -hmm. we're not re we're just reading we're just making ourselves feel good yeah so I think the trouble with it is uh, is I became uh, I, I think I, f I felt really called for lack of a better word um, to where I couldn't do anything else I yeah. tried working in the marketplace I tried doing other things and trying to placate myself thinking I could be just a writer or a speaker or something else besides anything besides pastor sure because that seemed to me the most or the least attractive job mm -hmm. uh, the least attractive way to reach a community mm -hmm. yeah and it's particularly when it's I feel like churches are sort of marginalized we've already taken ourselves out of the game yeah so to try to re-engage re with a community and sort of put yourself out there to say hey we really need to learn how to be family not just as a personality or sort of a CEO of a community organization but to be like hey I just want to pastor to be with sheep to be a sheep and to share life together yeah I think that's been a real challenge mm -hmm. yeah and so George um, one of the things you said was I don't care about I can't find yeah, the exact yeah, words but right. like but what I care about is Jesus but I feel like that's uh, like that line almost as you said it word for word could be said by someone who's say in like a homogenous church and doesn't care about the suffering of their neighbor. So what makes that, what makes that different for you? Ooh, wow. That's a good question. Um, is that what you're supposed to say when you're buying time? That's a really, really good question. Oh, very. <laughs> oh profound. Mm. The, 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 Take your time. We can edit <laughs> no, out. No, no, yeah, right. Uh, the problem, the problem of Jesus, right? Is like, so, so we have to, uh, do you acknowledge that we live in Christendom? That we live in a, um, we live in a really our, the the Christian landscape is kind of crazy. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. I'll acknowledge that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so this message of love. Yeah. And of uh, you know, it, it stops short, right? It always stops short. So we know John three sixteen, right? Yeah. But we don't we don't ever talk about John three seventeen, mm -hmm. which which incorporates the whole world that Christ came not only for the redemption of me and for you and for our individual salvation but for for the redemption of all of creation right mm -hmm. uh and and so how can i look at you and not see you as beloved i mean look at you you're beautiful i know I, well for I, me it's you, easier let's use tim as an yeah, example, me as an example. Tim, i mean tim tim's got the face and the body for, for radio yeah but, uh, <laughs> that's why i do this as do we yeah. but, you know um 
but but yeah. you know even in my own so so you know the the role of the pastor the role of the pastor is to hopefully be centered enough mm-hmm. right? and it's a struggle to be centered enough mm-hmm. so that you can model for your community what it means to be a disciple of Christ mm-hmm. to model that love and to love even when people are very very difficult to love mm-hmm. and I, when I'm talking about that I'm not talking about the world outside I'm talking about the people in your congregation yeah, that's right. mm-hmm. yeah. You know, should yeah. we name names? Yes. Yeah, so can we start, Miss <laughs> <laughs> McGillicuddy? <laughs> I've had enough of you. Uh, let me tell you something. I hope you're listening, Miss McGillicuddy. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about radical hospitality and love, right? So, uh, you know, we get a lot of homeless people in our mix. Yeah. And, and one day, a guy came in with a shirt. Now I'm going to really use some bad language. Go oh. for it. And it and it said uh, it was a Visa logo. You know. And I, and I can't see because my eyes are terrible and I'm not wearing glasses now. I can hardly even see you. Yeah, that's uh, why you said I was beautiful. Well, it's, it's, it's the aura behind you. We're oh, in the yeah. metaphysical room. There's an aura, either yeah. that or a halo. Thank the spirits for deceiving yes. George, yeah. Uh, and, and, and as I got as I got closer, uh, you know, I had the shock look of these like 80-year-olds come running up to me, you know. Did you see that shirt? Did you see that shirt? I said, no, I haven't seen the shirt, you know? So I go back there, and and on his shirt, uh, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a Visa logo. It was a, it was a dick. <laughs> and, his shirt sa- and his shirt said, his shirt said, my dick is accepted everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Now, you know... <laughs> Uh, Did you, this happen at your churches growing up? Anyone else? No, yeah, right. So, so oh, we can all learn. Now, so how do we, how do we, you know, how do we see that with Christ's eyes, right? You yeah. Know? I'm glad he's at church, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. Maybe that's the only clean shirt he had. Who, who, who am I to judge? Yeah. Right, right. Now, you know, if I had a jacket, I would have offered it to him so that, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Miss McGillicuddy certainly didn't, you know, need to know that his dick is accepted everywhere. I'm sure she didn't accept it, but... <laughs> Uh, but you know, but how do we show that radical love, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, what do you think those those fishermen standing by the side of the the lake fixing their nets? You, you think that they were talking about you know Calvin's Institutes and you know the, the you know? <laughs> no, they're damn it, this net's broke again. Well, if you hadn't done that, you know, and and, and Jesus is looking around, he said, oh, those two guys down there, they'll do. You know, they're covered yeah. in, they're like wiping the fish guts off on their shirt, yeah. looking at who, Jesus. Who the hell is that guy? You know, what a bum. He doesn't even work. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, enough about me. <laughs> So I want to I want to pull it pull it back because yeah. this is a book podcast. What <laughs> is it? What is it? Okay. Are there books that sort of uh, mm, were yeah. like uh, let's say a young David Park was mm. you know like figuring out he was like I feel this Christian spirituality or I have yeah. some history with it but I don't know how to shape it or I don't know how to like was there a book that kind of launched the new form that your pastoring has taken or the new form that your faith has taken in a world that's mixed where there's a lot of different tensions like this oh uh, yeah for me um I think one of the most transformative books I read uh was uh The Cost of Discipleship DJ Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. um I think that should be like standard issue for yeah. new Christians um just because I had not rad- heard sort of a radical call that was saying you are different mm. and you need to carry yourself differently in terms mm. of sacrifice, sacrificial mm. love to the world. Mm-hmm. And that, that really changed my perspective, mm. uh, 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 at least towards the Christianity that I had grown up with, which mm. was sort of 
almost like uh, insurance sales, like, okay, yeah. I'm a good person and I've got hell insurance. <laughs> but cost of discipleship was to really follow Jesus, was to desire to be like him in yeah. every way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. George, how about you? I want to just take a break because okay. I have a, a, a study book on the cost of discipleship in the Ooh. back of my truck right now. Oh, yeah? And, <laughs> and I was going to bring it in here to try to get trade credits for books because unlike a Kindle, you know, you can take your book somewhere and get trade credit for them and get a different book. Um, so, but, I, but I've been reading uh, Bonhoeffer lately, and I have a biography of Bonhoeffer that I've been reading, and it is just – he. His faithfulness, I mean, I mean, and I think that that's the key, right? His faithfulness is just, just uh, so overpowering. Yeah. Well, you cannot, you, you're, you're convicted when you read him. Well, his faithfulness has to come at the precipice of where it's easy to disregard your faith. Right. If he had just said, mm. hey, I, I don't need to be this faithful, yeah. <laughs> right? then we'd all be screwed, right? We'd have no sense of testimony of who, who Jesus is and what he's asking of us. Uh, yeah, and and right following, so I was here in the bookstore, right following the election, all of a sudden Dietrich Bonhoeffer's books started flying off the shelves again, oh, interestingly yes. enough. So. Yeah. Well, he was dealing with, yeah, well, never mind, we won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a book podcast. We can, we can. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, for me, it was uh, Thomas Merton's New Seeds of Contemplation. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Mm. And, uh, and just, um, you know, I, I struggle with the, uh, with the internal versus the external. Yeah. How do we experience God? How do we share that experience of God? Hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think Merton, uh, if you can't tell, I'm a little bit high energy, maybe, at times. <laughs> so I, get, get, I can yeah. read that, yeah. yeah so, so, you know, sometimes it's good to... To just, I, I just like the way that Merton thinks. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I've had uh, Merton's new seeds of contemplation has uh, visibly transformed the life of my wife, who is also I'm not an achiever at all. In fact, like given the choice, <laughs> we all know. Given, yeah, you all know. I'm here doing this podcast. No, just <laughs> given the choice between like doing something and doing nothing, I'll always go with nothing. So this yeah, contemplative yeah. stuff, it's just intuitive for me. But <laughs> but my wife is like is like a real doer, and she she's in broken places with broken people. Like yeah. that's her life. And she had this sense, like a year or two ago, if you knew her, she would have always seemed burned out because she had this sense of like. Of like, well, we've got to we've got to meet needs uh, to follow Jesus, right? Uh, Good, like, but then she would she would run herself into the ground and get sick for a week or two, and like it was this constant cycle. Mm. And she read Merton, and she started reading, going down this like contemplative path of like aligning your so, sort of soul and spirit with a source of energy yeah. and taking time to do that and mm. making rest a part of anyway so like since she's read merton she's visibly different right she mm. works differently her 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 work week looks different it's really like transformed the way she relates to both her work and now she's i feel like more of a whole person because yeah. she's taking yeah. that time to reflect but she's like you in that like She's right. like she can't sit still. Like I could, I could sit here and talk all day about books, but like she can't sit still. She's got to go do stuff. But Merton really met her in that. Right. So. Yeah, and the other thing. So what you, when you were talking, I was think, thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, you know, the really important thing is that is not that I go try to fix somebody else's problem. I mean, I think that's the white man's yeah, deal. Right. Yeah, like, right. I'm, go oh, yeah. fix, I, I, I'm a white guy. I can look at that situation. I clearly see that the problem is that you mm -hmm. don't have the, you know, the gonkulator, 
you know, and that's <laughs> yeah. why your life is the way it is, right? Yeah. And I'm gonna fix it because you know you are living a, a goncolator free life. <laughs> and and the and the when the reality and I can buy a goncolator and I can get a goncolator, <laughs> uh, but the uh, but you know it's like it's like Jesus, you know, you look at the example and it, Jesus calls us into relationship, right? Yeah. And so if I'm in relationship with you, that we have a very different way of interacting. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you asked me to do a blog. I just said yes. Yeah. I'm not, you know, what, what, I don't care if you're 500 listeners, it, <laughs> you know, hey, add me 501 today, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you're 501 listeners uh, are, uh, are transformed by this. The, the thing is, is that right now, this moment that is happening here is the sacred moment. Yeah. Where we're giving our best. We're being open and honest with each other. We're really sharing yeah. Yeah. in that spirit, you know, and I'm just, you know, that's the blessing. Yeah. And and the fruit that comes from that, you know, there I am using Christian coded language. The, the, <laughs> the blessing is that we have a, this time together. And, yeah. you know, if we can just if everybody would just take the moment that they're with another person and just be in relationship with them. Yeah. You know, think about how the world will be transformed. You know, we're, we're thrown all the time into these false battles. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our, our time is consumed. You know, I got people who watch Fox News six hours a day. I, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and I, and I'll watch, I've had to shut off the TV. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't really care anymore about what Trump is doing in his world is, is just in some ways, it's just not my problem. You yeah. Know? It, it, because he, where well, I'm not in relationship with him, but I can be in relationship with David. And, and yeah. so if David calls me, I'll do it. Yeah. Are we best friends and buds forever? No, he's a much better ping pong player than I am. We'll never be good friends. <laughs> I appreciate you acknowledging that in public. I, I am. And you have a funny grip, too. Uh, but, but, right, but this is a sacred moment. Like, I, I've never met you before. This mm. is a sacred time, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, if we see every moment, every opportunity to be with somebody as a sacred time, a gift from God, oh. you know, Jesus collected people and relationships. He didn't yeah. collect money, he didn't collect powers mm. and principalities. He collected friends, and yeah. you know that's what we're about. That's what we should be about. I think. Uh, why do you think the church fails to sort of mm. enter into that? Do you think? Hmm. I mean, Ooh. the institutional church. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the answer's been really obvious, but. We well, just... well, you tell me, and then I'll tell you if you're right or not. Well, I just, <laughs> honestly, I feel like we're all afraid to actually do that. We're mm. most yeah. of, most of us. It's like we, and I think we have a culture of like voyeurism and spectation. Like yeah, we yeah. don't want to enter in, we don't want to participate. Pornography. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But with no, it, it, with it, it, with social justice, with with even mm -hmm. like a, I think we do so much in life that is about spectating rather mm -hmm. than entering into the real. If we've got like a need for reminding or restoration mm -hmm. of how our faith, like, because politics really, it's just a word for how power works in our shared life. Right. 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 So if we need to be reminded and recentered on that, where do we go to like get a mm. sense of those movements? Where do we go to get recentered? Particularly in the book world, if we could. Oh, I was gonna say. Okay. <laughs> I, I was gonna say open table. Yeah, say yeah. my Bradley. church, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your checks for offering. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. So, so, so you know the the words of the prophets, right? Where do we find the words of the prophets? Yeah. Um, and you know we've named a couple of prophets and uh, Bonhoeffer and Merton. Who who are who are our prophets who speak? And, you know what is a prophet? A prophet is not somebody who predicts the future. It's somebody who talks about what is actually going on yeah. now. Yeah, right. Un unveiling the reality. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, uncovering it. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I'll put yeah. a name of one one that's done that well for me. Howard Thurman's Jesus and the Disinherited. It yeah. was apparently MLK carried the book around. Mm. Um, and he named, I think, uh, social dynamics that are still like, like when he put his finger on what was going on in his time, it stings today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He named them so well and, mm-hmm. and, um, and created wow. for me a portrait of, okay, this is a space where the church has some value in terms of creating a sense of family where there would otherwise be none mm-hmm. between vastly different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Howard Thurman has been that kind of prophet for me. Another one you just started reading, David, um, there's an activist named Ched Myers. Yeah, Ched Myers, is, who's uh, I think mostly an academic scholar, but he's written some really great work on political political theology through through the Gospel of Mark. Uh-huh. But mm. I think you might have read more than me, Ian, because uh, we're we're prepping to do some teaching on it. But yeah, I think you're a little farther ahead. Yeah, I mean, Mark's super interesting because you get this portrait, like you were talking about the f- the fisherman, you know, on the edge of the lake. But you do get this like. I was reading in this a book by Ched Myers that the the phrase "fishers of men" is a reference to Jeremiah, and it has to do with capturing and overthrowing the powers of the age, and that was the call that was made to those fishermen. I'm, I haven't investigated the claim or read it fully, but I, I was finding that interesting. George, last time also that I ran into you, uh, we were asking, we were like, what have you been up to? And you're like, fighting the powers and principalities. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? I, I think it ties in with, uh, you know, the, the demons within and the demons without. You know, I was, I was, I was talking uh, to somebody earlier and I was talking about, you know, I'm a product. Shelby Spong is, you know, a guy I've read a little bit. Uh, and and what, one of the things he brings up is that you know he's a product of the South. You know I'm a mm-hmm. white male raised in the South. Uh, as much as I would like to think that I'm not prejudiced, that I'm not racist, uh, I, that's the soup that yeah. I was cooked in. Sure. Mm-hmm. And right. it's gonna it's gonna flavor this meat. Uh huh. So you know that's that's powers and principalities that I have to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's also powers and principalities in the sense that um, as as we try to be faithful, uh, you know, you're going to meet resistance Yeah. Mm-hmm. because change is difficult and, yeah. and we're constantly being called into change, especially the gospel. You can't, that's the thing, right? Right. Like if you engage the gospel, if you engage um, the gospel, then, then no matter what book you pick up, there's going to be that thing that's going to mm-hmm. get your mind going like that. Yeah. And you're going to say, wow, wow, wow. I, I can see this in a new light. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, for me, the powers and principalities are anything that diminish, demean, um, mm-hmm. marginalize the full flourishing of somebody. You yeah, know, like the, the yeah. fullness of who we are created yeah. in the love of God to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I don't get to define for you what you should be or do. Right, right, yeah. You know, but 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 just to take away those barriers, right, mm-hmm. so that we can fully be who God created us to be. You know, yeah. unapologetically. Who we are, yeah, freeing yeah. captives, totally. breaking bondages, right? Right. I find uh, so I, I've I've been reading a little bit of Jacques Ellul too, and he he's mm-hmm. I would consider him a prophetic voice in terms of trying to uh, question, Jacques Ellul. Jacques Ellul is a French. Yeah. He would be. He's he a fought French. he fought in the French resistance <laughs> during the Nazi occupation. Oh man, too. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's like Bonhoeffer in that in that like he earned it, <laughs> like whatever he says, he earned it. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. And he pastored a couple churches during the resistance and. 
Um, but he's just a fascinating character because he's questioning sort of the economic ground that we walk on. So yeah. why are we capitalists? Why why does the economy function this way? And why are we such slaves to it? He mm. Kind of breaking yeah. breaking sort of the principalities and powers that we're all subject well, to. Well, and that's yeah. the thing, like, right? Yeah. You know? Because there have been times when... I'll show you my captivity. Uh, there have been times when... You know, I would like to just walk away. Yeah. Right. But the reality of, well, sh- I don't, I, I live in a society where I don't have insurance if I walk away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, so that comes in place in a consideration when really that should not be the consideration anywhere in the consideration, you know? Yeah. So I'm not truly liberated. But it was so funny because, uh, do you have very many Presbyterian listeners? I don't think so. No clue. Okay. <laughs> nobody nobody, nobody from the Atlanta Presbytery is listening. <laughs> Go ahead, let, him, I, have, Darren, let him have it, George. Let him have it. So we were talking about uh, we were talking about this and, and you know so the struggle we have, right? We're we're in this meeting and a guy stands and says, uh, you know, the smaller churches come to my big steeple church with their hand out looking for money. And, you know, that sat in me like a hornet's nest. Hmm. Uh, and I got up and I said, if I come to you, it's because Jesus is alive and well in my community. I want you to invite you to come see what's happening. And I have an abundance of uh, mission opportunities. I have abundance of opportunities to, to meet people who are facing challenges in their life. So I'm offering to you out of my abundance. Mm-hmm. And, and you happen to have a bunch of money. Yeah. If, if you don't know what to do with it, if you're so afraid to give it to me, yeah. Then, mm. then you know you've got a problem, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to liberate you from that problem. Yeah. I didn't say all that, <laughs> but that's what I'm thinking. Is yeah. I'm saying I said, but don't say that I come to you with my handout. I come to you offering to meet Christ, who's alive and well in my community. Yeah. a treasure yeah. of people, a treasure yeah. community. Right? A treasure. That's what you have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so the response was, uh, some people thought I had done lost my mind. You know, yeah. they they came to seize me. <laughs> and they put me, you know, they said, you need to take a sabbatical. I get back to my congregation and an African pastor uh, from Kenya says, George, you are the most liberated man in the presbytery because you spoke truth to power. I said, yeah, well, yeah. You, know, you speak truth to power awesome. and you end up, you know, going to the Santa Shrink, you know. <laughs> you yeah. lost your mind. Yeah, it's hard to sustain for sure. Well, that's a tension though because, I mean, economic solvency or success in terms of numbers and, and dollars wow. don't necessarily mean you're doing wow. the work of the gospel. Preach right? it, brother. Preach wow. it. Yeah. Now you got from, 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 now you're meddling. David, you were saying a, something about Jacques Ellul's thought that you didn't finish well I, I would just say he's really good at uncovering mm. that sort of veil that we have over economy and politics mm. and, yeah and sort of sacrificing a christian identity for economic ones yeah, yeah so about six months ago i started this project of like i'm going to read all about faith and politics from all sorts of like from conservative catholics to i haven't read any fundamentalists yet but i'll have to do it <laughs> to finish the project but uh one of the things i was hoping for when i started reading was like Will they, like, will they, for me, in their studies of scripture or their studies of Jesus, give me, like, a map of this is mm-hmm. how we get from here to here? Yeah. And what I instead found was this constant call to what you're talking about, this constant call to resistance mm-hmm. of the powers. And, like, Elul, one of his experiences was he fought with, like, uh, or worked with communists until they became totalitarian right and then he had to switch his allegiance and i think people are looking for like what party should i give my allegiance to what state what government right. should i give my allegiance to and they'll look to scripture to answer that question 
when it's not it's stay vigilant against Mm -hmm. these powers Mm -hmm. and you might have to switch sides and you know in by human power standards to to get there but yeah that's right i think i think uh especially politics in america today are so polarized that Mm -hmm. we assume that I think ultimately Christian witnesses cancel out because there are Christians on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where in effect Christians should be questioning both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. yeah. drawing them towards the poor and the marginalized and the people yeah. on the edges mm-hmm. I always think it's really interesting when we're when we're part of the center and we retreat to the edges again mm-hmm. like so mm-hmm. one of the interesting things mm-hmm. about privilege and power like as an Asian American growing up in the south my whole sort of narrative family wise to, is to climb the ladder and just get a piece of privilege so that you might not have to worry about the things that most immigrants worry about. Mm-hmm. And then for me to suddenly get, you know, go to a good school and, and do some of those things and have accomplishments and try to uh, have a burgeoning career and then to step back and say, I, I don't want to keep going this route. Mm-hmm. And to take a step back. For me, what, what brought me to it was seeing people living in community. Mm-hmm to recognize that I grew up that way, but I'm no longer that way. And I'm estranged from the ways that actually brought me closer to God and closer mm-hmm. to community is mm-hmm. what's what sort of, while I was at seminary, I was realizing, hey, there's a whole group of even Christ followers that that are sort of still subscribing to sort of the prescribed American life. And, yeah. and suddenly I found myself saying, I can't. I don't want to go that way mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And so finding the church that I did and and doing the work that I do helps me to sort of stay sober mm. about what it means to be right. wow. to follow Christ in this kind awesome. of community. Yeah. Man. Well, that's great. Well, we want to thank uh, David and George uh, mm-hmm. for being here today. We want to thank Atlanta Vintage Books that provided us this great space filled with books. We're here in the metaphysical reading room. If you hear this episode and you want to come and check out the space, maybe meet a future wife or, you yeah. know, you never know what could happen. <laughs> or get a potato. Or get a, or potato. Get a potato. I did. Yes. George gives everyone who interviews him gets a free potato. So I have a <laughs> gigantic sweet potato here. That um, is awesome. <laughs> anyway, it's been great. Great conversation. Um, if yeah. you want to check us out online. Yeah, we're at whatareyoureadingpodcast.com. And from there, we have like a Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, those sort of things, just to kind of keep you up with what's going on and uh, get your feedback as well. We always love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you on iTunes as well if you want to rate and review us. That always means a lot. It makes us feel I, I, special. So, so uh, how, how do people give you money so that you can support the, uh, the we setup? Don't have, we don't, make, we, we we make, don't know no, yet. We don't make, <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. On, on, behalf, <laughs> on behalf of these two cats here, people, let me tell you something. If, you, if you're still listening, you have been entertained. Get out yeah. the offering plate. Get out the offering plate. <laughs> if, you, if you've been Where's listening, you've been entertained. And if you, ha- and if you're just, if you fast-forwarded to the end and you're wondering, what the hell is going on, don't even, don't, just send money. Yeah. Send money to these two cats. Uh, you can probably find Atlanta Vintage Book on the internet. They can send it there, and you can pick it up. <laughs> or at uh, least, like, sure. or at least, or, or send books, and, and they'll oh, get yeah, trade we'll credit. Yeah, yeah. We're we're thinking of ways, but right now we're just hoping people like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to make one last shout out. You mentioned Darktown. You brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We we've just been kind of been in contact. You may, if you're a book lover and live in Atlanta, you might know there's another podcast here in Atlanta called Literary Atlanta. Um, Allison Law hosts that, and she actually back in October interviewed Thomas Mullen, and it was a really interesting conversation. I think he has another book yeah. after this that either has already come out or is on its way. I don't know. I don't you know. know, they put all this stuff in here. He has a little study guide in the back that asks you all these questions, you mm-hmm. know, to try to get you to think about stuff. But uh, apparently this has been like, this will probably be on like, 
which we'll call Netflix. Yeah, yeah. They're going to do some kind of... <laughs> I think so, yeah. They got the rights or... Did yeah, some somebody's got of... the rights to this. Yeah. And, but listen, read it. Because yeah. it, gives us, yeah. it, gives, it gives us insights into, uh, you know, who we are and where we come from. And uh, if you're a product of the South, you know, uh, it gives, it's, a, it's a refreshing uh, look from a different angle. Definitely. Yeah. Get yeah. to know the soup you were cooked Exactly. That's right, yeah, man. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, check out that podcast in the interview. Um, you might already know about it, but I just wanted to shout that out because yeah. it's been a while now, but it was a really great interview with her yeah. and uh, Thomas Mullen. So check it out. Well, I guess that's it. Is uh, I'm trying to think of anything else we need to mention. Um, Should we find a book quote? Yeah. Oh, I wrote one on the okay. document, but that's somewhere. I want to try to find a way to... I got Scott's, a book quote. It's Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> oh. This is from Darktown. I just opened it up. It's, it's like, you know, proof texting right here. <laughs> We're all just trying to do some good, Timmons asked, his smile a bit too enthusiastic. The ginger ale in his glass was likely half bourbon. We're all just trying to do some good, right? That's what it's all about. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>